you like haunts? Yes. Do you like immersive theater? Yes. Do you like escape rooms? Yes. What's the safe word? My haunt life. Hello and welcome to the My Haunt Life podcast. I'm Russell, and this is normally where Mike would say I'm Mike, except I'm on my own right now because Mike is out of town for work. Uh, I'm recording a quick introduction to what we're presenting here. Recently, specifically on August 3rd and 4th of this year, Midsummer Scream took over the Long Beach, California Convention Center. Midsummer Scream is a huge Halloween and haunt-focused convention that brings together just a huge variety of companies and fans, haunts, vendors, just a wide array of folks who are into the weird, spooky, creepy, and darkly wonderful stuff of life. There's classes, panels, mini haunts, shows, workshops, and panel discussions galore for everyone to take in and enjoy. Uh, for the second year in a row, Midsummer Scream asked Mike and I to come down and moderate one of their panels. This year, it was a panel called From Creep to the Willows and Beyond JFI Productions. Now, Just Fix It Productions is a company that is known around the Southern California and Los Angeles area, definitely. They create a, a unique haunt every year called Creep in the Los Angeles area. And Creep is not just a jump scare type haunt experience. Uh, Just Fix It Productions create scenes that introduce you to fun, creepy, odd characters. And the scenes tend to linger and get under your skin. It's more about the world you're visiting rather than just scaring you and moving you through as fast as possible, which is what would happen in your traditional like theme park style haunt. Uh, they have also created a show called The Willows, where... It's an interactive multi-track experience where you actually go to the home of a family in mourning and you pay your respects alongside the family members. By the end of the night, you have learned more about that family and you realize that they are so much more twisted than you think when you first arrive. Uh, Just Fix It Productions, it's a really creative company. Uh, it, they're helping to explore and define the current trends and uh, what an immersive experience is and can be. Uh, Mike and I have both attended Creep uh, since year one, and we've both attended The Willows a couple of times, exploring the various tracks. It was really fun to have a chance to talk to them in front of a rather enthusiastic group of Midsummer Scream attendees and fans. Uh, by the way, as you're listening to this, which is the panel conversation, uh, there are a few points during the, pre the presentation we were able to show uh, trailers or uh, ads for some of the productions that they've done in the past. I left all of that audio in so you at least get the vibe of what, what the audience was seeing. I'd like to once again thank everyone who attended the panel. Thank you to Midsummer Scream for having us. And what you're hearing behind me is the music that was playing as the intro. And I am just going to let the panel conversation take over from here. Uh, from Creep to the Willows and Beyond, JFI Productions. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Midsummer Scream. The world of immersive theater is alive and well in Southern California, and JFI Productions is at the forefront of blending that medium with the haunted attraction industry as well, creating some of the most stunning theatrical and frightening experiences anywhere. From the willows to creep, this team is enjoying major success, 
and we are thrilled to welcome them today to talk about where they've been and where they're taking us. Please welcome to the stage, founder of JFI Productions, Justin Fix. Writer and artistic director for JFI, Daniel Montgomery. Artistic director, David Rizuka. Creative supervisor and choreographer, Stephanie Turek. Executive producer and partnership director, J.T. Swercheck. And your hosts for My Haunt Life podcast, Russell Eaton and Mike Fontaine. Hello, everyone. So, thank you for coming to this early panel. Uh, we have a quick question for all of you. We want to get to know you guys a little bit better. Uh, how many people here have gone to a creep show? Oh, yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right, how many people in this room have been to the Willows? Yeah. Okay, we're among friends, people. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, uh, we're going to... Uh, start with a brief history of Creep. And I think um, the first thing we should possibly do is take a look at the trailer from last year. Yeah. So if we can play the Awake trailer from last year. Uh, who went to Awake? Excellent. So whenever you're ready, please play the trailer. <laughs> it was a great show. Anyway. <laughs> No, that's quite all right. Uh, tell you what, interrupt us with the trailer when you when uh, when it's ready. So, um, Creep, if I remember correctly, started in 2015, correct? So, uh, give us a brief question, uh, answer to the question of like, how did it start? Right from the very beginning, what was the impetus? How did it begin? Um, Creep started. Um, my dad got cancer. I was uh, a really unfulfilled artist or actor living in Hollywood, and I went home to be with my dad for like six months, and I came back, and I heard like my dad's bucket list, and so at the end of the day, my dad ended up passing like two years uh, later, but he, I was like, wow, I'm like, a th I'm 30 years old, and I have my a bucket list item of all this, and I was a weird kid. Um, and I'm such a Halloween enthusiast, and I just had the urge to like produce and make a haunted house. So I literally wrangled like my best friends and like ten other people the first year, and like our buddy had a warehouse, and we cast our cast off a of Craigslist, and we kind of popped up this like immersive space, which was at the end of the day, I just wanted to create a more theatrical haunt. And at the end of the day, what we ended up doing is spending more time in these rooms and developing these like really great vignettes and tableaus of just creepy shit that we really enjoyed. And then we got done after that, like 18, and I don't know how we got it done. It was all built with like, for those of you guys who came year one, my God, like it was built with like, like duct tape bags. and plastic tarp. Like it was gorilla it and was nasty. And there was like gorilla. really sharp shit, like behind like tool benches. Dangerous. Like, yeah, it was nasty. And so that's how it started. And then we just got the urge and we just wanted to continue to like push ourselves and like 
come from like a passion project to like actually land a business and like it's been beautiful because now I feel like we have all went from like just like wanting to do something from creativity and that is what fuels us and at the end of the day like that's what continues and has blessed us to continue to do this work. Now Russell um, how do you feel about those safety concerns? <laughs> I'm known as the safety nerd. Uh, I've worked haunts numerous years, and I'm I'm always the guy running around in the weird colored vest, going, "That's too sharp." Um, uh, and I, I, you guys, I we've we've talked privately at various venues and things like that. The oddest thing I heard about that first year, because uh, Mike and I definitely both attended. I know people here attended. I walked out of that haunted house, and someone said, "Those are the sexiest monsters I have ever seen in a haunted house." Oh. I'm not sure what that was. Uh, so that first year was Creep, and then you did Entry, Lore, Awake, and you've got House of Creep coming, but I was just told that the Awake trailer is ready if we want to take a look at that real quick. Good memories. Uh, something that I think anyone who's attended multiple productions of yours, in, including The Willows, which we'll get to a little bit in, uh, in a little bit, movement is very important in your shows. And uh, Stephanie, uh, I, you've been on the team since the beginning, correct? I have. Year one, I was making monsters out of garbage bags and um, running the door and the line that like went almost a mile long. So I was trying to keep the peace outside while everyone was... Performing on the inside, but um, how's the yeah, yeah, how's movement incorporated into the shows? Like from your point of view. So Justin um, has always been a big supporter of dance, and um, he brought me on kind of to explore how we can make movement interesting and scary and sexy. So um, in all of our shows, there's always a little little something something. Um, and what? what? Your question? <laughs> I just think that, like, for me, this is kind of like out of my comfort zone, especially for like horror stuff. So, like, to to involve dance into horror is like so something that I would never thought in a million years that I would do. Um, but this is where my career has taken me, and I love it. It's very niche, but I love it. <laughs> now, creep has always been had theatrics in it. It's always had horror. It's always been scary. Um, the first creep, in my opinion, was more, definitely more scary than theatrical, but throughout the years, I feel like it's gotten more theatrical. Uh, is that a personal preference, or is that uh, an influence from the surrounding L.A. scene? I think that's something that innately that we, we always wanted to do. 
I'm, the, the first year we did Creep, it was just to see if it could, <laughs> could work. And uh, we, didn't, we truly didn't have any plan to continue it after the first year. It was just truly a bucket list, sort of like, let's just see if this can happen. But both Justin and I are actors and do a lot of theater and theater kids, and we knew we wanted to try and incorporate uh, storytelling and a theatrical element into whatever it is that we were doing. And Justin and I, I remember we looked at each other Halloween night and said, let's do this again. So when we came back for uh, year two, which was entry, we said, okay, well, we know we can do this. We know we did it. We know people came and enjoyed it. Let's um, put a little more of ourselves into it. It really, the first year truly was really thrown together and it was a total blast. But as we came to the second year, we were like, all right, let's try, let's try a little more storytelling and a little more of our true background and see what we can dig out of ourselves and just like throw into downtown LA and see what sticks for that. So when we came back with entry, it was twice as long, if not, I mean, the first year was 35 minutes and entry was an hour and 15 minutes and much, much bigger. And we were still sort of playing with the idea of a story. We originally said creep year one was, was it what is a creep? And then two, year two was who is a creep? And so we created this sort of artist character that was the baseline for the story of that year. And it kind of spiraled into weirdness and madness and it wasn't totally grounded in um, connective story as we got into the experience. But it was every show that we do and have created, we've tried to tie it more and more into story. And we love those sort of shocking, crazy moments that make no sense and that are just there to scare you and feel sexy and be weird. But it's exciting for us to tie that into an overarching narrative or theme. And that's something that's all, always been in our brain from the beginning. It's just something that's organically grown as we've gotten more experience. So as this grows, you, JT, are more behind-the-scenes business aspect of the things. Uh, JT is also usually out in front uh, whenever you go to these events. Um, he's usually the welcoming guy who, like, now go go to the weirdness. Um, uh, talk about your role of helping nurture and helping this thing grow. Because uh, the LA scene has been so competitive over the last few years. And it's just like... like uh, if you can take us a little bit from where you've been, but also where you see this going as well. Sure, this is a great question. Um, for one, yeah, Justin and I started at the beginning, uh, obviously with our friends with two credit cards. So we figured, how do we how do we not go into debt and uh, make this work? So I think um, it was really important to us to create a business model that that works. Um, one of the things I was new to this genre as well in this world as well. Um, but one thing that I was often told. Um, not really even asked, but told is, you know, we either make a really good show and know we're going to lose a lot of money, or we try to make a lot of money knowing that we're kind of sacrificing a good show. And I, that always baffled me that one shouldn't be independent of the other. Um, and so we kind of based three factors into kind of how we look at business, because I already know, one, it's all about your people. People are everything, and that's why I think the most important thing yeah. in the world is people. So, number one, I have three, like, quick ones that I think that I would do that kind of are the basis of how I think for the team, and that is, one, I always take talent over technology. I think technology is great, and it does amazing things, but there's nothing that a human being can do to a human being that's better. So, always invest in talent over, over that. Um, I'd also say that anytime you're, like, 
like looking at ticket sales and stuff like that, and I'll keep it brief. We always base our sales, so if you guys are looking at doing things like that, on 70% ticket sales, that is our 100%. So if you're ever doing your budget and you're looking at what it could be, always do it on that. That way, if you're looking at 50 tickets a night and only 40 sell, instead of you looking at it like, oh, that's 10 we didn't sell, you're looking at it as that's 40 people we get to experience with, right? Um, so always look at that. And then if you go over about 70%, then that's a bonus, right? Um, and then third, and probably the most important thing to me, and I hope you guys have felt it, if you don't, come to me anytime, is we don't think of our company as just entertainment. We're a hospitality company as well. If you buy a ticket to our show, we want to take care of you. We want to make sure that you are treated like a guest. And I think those three things combined, along with the talent that these people have, has allowed us to just continue to grow and grow grassroots and really give that feeling back to our guests. And I think the the final question to that is where does that trajectory grow is just building on that seeing how we can incorporate some of the ideas that some of our guests have given us and incorporate it into our new shows uh, and elevate that story aspect because um, we always want to differentiate ourselves we always want to be reinventing and we always want to be re-inspiring and over delivering so I think those are the key things that I work on backstage because I already know they can do all the great creatives and do all that um, but that guest experience is probably most important to me and with growth came the willows you know honestly like uh, yeah, do, it was, do we, we have a clip? Definitely. I heard there's a clip. Oh, well, <laughs> do we have a clip? Yeah. We may have a clip for the willows. <laughs> when you're ready, please play the clip for the willows. What's the willows? <laughs> David, how about the willows? Sure. Uh, yeah, so I um, got to join these lovely folks just in time for this show, um, which evolved a little bit in the course of us working on it. Um, it actually was originally, when Justin talked to me about it, it was called So Clue at the time, and uh, it was going to be a little bit different tone. That's right, that's right. Um, so it evolved, and it's what it ended up becoming was you you explore this mansion that is a character unto itself in the experience and uh, meet this unusual family called the Willows who um, are sort of bringing you into a celebration of life. You don't quite know what that's about, and you start to get deeper and deeper into the evening and realize this family is a little bit unusual, and uh, you spread throughout the house and discover just truly what lies underneath the family history of the Willows. 
And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it was, it, it, it was really the first chance to see, I, that, was, that was my entry into the creep universe. And uh, even though it's not technically creep, in a lot of ways, the spirit of it is, is there's definitely an aesthetic thing that we can't escape um, that's part of all of our shows. And just to add to that a little bit, I think that we've, if anyone, I'm sure people have seen Sleep No More in New York, it's, a, it's awesome, it's brilliant, it's great. We wanted to take some of the elements of those shows that are big and really hone it down to small, because I know when we went, what meant the most to us when we left and what really left an impression is those like one-on-one things that we had that terrified me because I wasn't into scary stuff or horror, so I was like, oh. um, but that's what last, left me with such a great impression. So how do we take that and just really only get 18 people in a room and make it really intimate and give everyone that feeling? of like being present and we notice every single guest that comes in you'll not be a fly on the wall in that show you you are seen uh the wills is something that had multiple tracks uh you could go like three four times and still not get the same show what sort of planning process goes into that and to make it so that all of those different things either don't intersect or purposely intersect that's a huge challenge um, and something we just figured out by doing it. Um, I r- write all, the, all our scripts, and as we were, we started it by thinking about each character of the house and literally the house. So as David said, the, the, the house is a character, but it's also a map of where we can go. And so we started off with each character and developed kind of a crazy... Um, sort of, uh, it was literally, it was like an Excel spreadsheet at one point of uh, locations and then timeline and then the characters where they would be for how long and I would write scenes that I felt like would be uh, the same amount of time and we had to split that up based on how many guests we wanted to go with which character and where, you know, what was the action within that room and how long that would take and it took some crazy sort of rehearsing we actually, our first few rehearsals were not in the house. We were in a small sort of just rehearsal space in West Hollywood, and we just mapped out the house upstairs and downstairs with like pieces of paper where everything was. And then we kind of went through it and said, "All right, we're 30 minutes in. Where are you? You know, for the for the actors, we're it's 40. Like Candyland. Yeah, we're 45 minutes. Where are you? You know, and." Um, what we had to do, what I had to do was once, and we did the show for three seasons, and it evolved every time we did it, so uh, there was a lot of trial and error along the way, but what, we, what I had to do was, all right, cool, I see that this, now that we've actually got it up on its feet, um, I know that this scene needs to stretch a little bit, or we need to tighten this up, and we happen to have an insane company of actors that are incredibly talented and know their characters inside and out and we're able sort of with them to craft like you if you need to go like in the scripts it's like if you need five extra minutes this is where this is what you say and this is where you go and hopefully it'll get interrupted and we were able to kind of figure out like where things need to be stretched and where things need to be taken down in order for us to like hit the right moments at the right time and when it when it worked and when it started to work really well it's like a machine it just would be you know what the, the, the exciting factor about that is, of course, the guests. Because although our, you know, 
our show is the same every time. The guests are never the same. So you have to acknowledge what's happening in front of you and you have to use whatever you're given. And it is such an insane skill to have as a performer to be to know I have two minutes and this person won't stop asking me questions and I need to get 10 minutes worth of information out and I have to do it right now. But I have to acknowledge that they're asking me these questions. So what's important? And we, I think we said the script is, at least for the Willows, was... Was it 80% scripted and 20% improv? And it's fun. It's really fun. Like, it's part, of, it's part of the joy of doing it, sort of like the math problem of trying to figure it all out. And when it works, it works so well. And when it doesn't, you just got to make it work. You know? There's just a, such, a, there's such a rhythm to hospitality and the way that you can just structure and move a night, right? Move a group of people who come in at a show at 6.30 and by 8.30, their whole world has completely flipped and I think there's a real rhythm to it and there's a real pulse and once you can kind of do the oohs and ahs and you can kind of write the drama and the laughter right it all really ebb and flows and it's really magic so I guess it's time to ask the big question I will say, though, we wrote, a, Willows took a long time to write, and then we had to rewrite it um, because we had the opportunity to shoot it on VR. Um, and that was so cool. And it was so cool because I think at the end of the day, because we are in live entertainment, you never really know, like, you don't have a true representation of, like, how the show would even come together, right? This immersive nature where you're, you have this Lego land of people can go anywhere you want, so you can't really do a full shoot of like the whole arc of the story. It's always one from one point of view. Um, so the Willows VR was an opportunity for us to work with this amazing company called uh, Amaze VR. <laughs> and they um, they were able to shoot the willows, and I will tell you guys, like it is on their platform. It's two ninety nine, and you can experience it, and you get to see. And we have there's like five five different endings, um, and it's, it's like two hours and twenty minutes. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, I, I would I would also say one quick thing that Justin reminded me of, which is that even once the show was like scripted, the other thing that's so responsive about the shows we do is that it still kept evolving from night to night, and we were adding little pieces and fine-tuning things and finding new moments of discovery. And even when the show came back in its most recent season, people could visit rooms they could never visit before. So it really was a living entity for us, and I think that's, that was something we want to keep alive in future shows. What um, systems or VR headsets is this available on? on the Oculus, and then, and then and the Samsung Gear? Yep, exactly. Is that right? Yeah. And if, in case somebody's wondering, because if you saw the show, yes, you do get choices. So if, if in the show, if you went upstairs and maybe not in the kitchen, it does ask you which side you want to go. So you do get to actually explore in the game as well, or in the, I guess it's not a game, Yeah, you show, can go but. on all the tracks. You just have to choose. And then based on the choices you choose is the ending you get. There's some pretty insane endings. <laughs> And this is definitely not a personal question because I know there's definitely multiple people in the room that have a PSVR, but any plans to bring this to the PlayStation VR? As I think so. Is that what anybody said? Yeah, I think when it all catches up with each other. You know? I, think it's bar- I think it's really based on their technology, not on yeah. ours. I think they were waiting for something, you know, on, on Maze's backside to, to, to do it. And eventually we were told it will. We hope it will. We hope as many people get to see it as possible. So, 
<laughs> uh, and by the way, the, the cool artwork that you've been seeing is the advertisement and the, the press photos for the VR experience is what we've been showing in the background. The obvious question, which I have already been asked the moment that this was announced on the website that this panel was happening, two people at work on the same day said, is the Willows coming back? We, uh, Who wants to answer that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, I knew I was going to get that expression from Justin. You know, we we never close the door on anything, but we we have at this time no plans at the moment. But never say never. I think it's one of those things that we're you know this creative team is so fun to work with because they're constantly just thinking of new things. So for us, it's really about excitement of what's next and over delivering in the next thing and where can we deliver you know on that. And I think once we get that kind of going. Um, you never never say never. As of right now, there's not plans, but never say never. We certainly haven't shut the curtain on that, so to speak. Well, wasn't the term your forever family? Forever. Yeah. Anyone's been to the show? That doesn't change. You are. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, everyone stay tuned. Uh, now, as the company has developed, um, you went through various forms of creep, and each year, it, and leading up into the Willows, one of the things I noticed about the the work from haunt to haunt to haunt, and I'm speaking more specifically of Creep, I think the shows kept getting denser and the stories kept getting more layers to them. And I found always found that fascinating. And the first year, um, for those of you who went to the very first year of Creep, that final room when you actually started talking about mythology. And I had this wonderful realization where you're in a room and you start to realize that you're taking part in the development of the next urban myth. And it was a wonderful moment. And your work always has that. And, and The Willows is so incredibly dense about the family. And, and one of the things you walk away with is, you know, what do the neighbors say about this family? <laughs> and what are the rumors? And, like, you know, what do those noises mean to the neighbors at night? So your company has moved into another direction. And you're becoming very active in, uh, there's so many terms, experiential marketing, mm. pop-ups, mm. immersive activations, <laughs> and I'm sure you can name a few more. Uh, you've been involved with Lore. One of the creep seasons was a tie-in with Amazon's Lore television show, and uh, you've recently done Ma, and you were at the San Diego Comic-Con this year with American Horror Story, correct? Uh, talk about those installations and how you bring your individual style to those. Um, I Stephanie, Stephanie, well, you, you should talk about this because Stephanie's always said, like, being not a horror lover, um, she's always been like, how, how, like, we're we're a bunch of a bunch of creatives who have no money trying to make unbelievable things happen, and now studios have caught wind of really cool things that struggling artists are doing. And now we have built sort of a, an IP and uh, a little reputation for ourselves because I think we, this is a new, this is a forefront of a whole new way of storytelling, tell, you know, telling and location-based entertainment. Like it's all moving, right? Like generation is it Z? A, yeah. yeah, like they're generation all, Z. yeah, they're all about like spending money on experiences, not about like consuming goods. Like, 
that's what we all crave. Um, and so I think there's with branding and marketing, I think you have to reach, you know, you have to reach your audience different. I think that's why the it house is doing so well on Hollywood and vine. Like what a cool experience. Like people crave that world. Like why not give the fans rather than a bunch of like celebrities and people for like a premiere. Why not give it to us and like, let, let us devour it and like love it and then put it out on our social media because then the ROI naturally that all these big studios are seeing back. Return on investment. There you go. Daniel's learning all their words. Yes. Um, And so, you know, I think it's, I think it's cool. And I think, um, I think we have been able to sort of, we were doing, I think before it was immersive was really in the world. And now I think because we were using those words early on um, and people are sort of nat- so nat- naturally some really cool doors have opened for us and people see had came had come to see the willows and they were like what what is this you know like I want we we need to do this you know so when when we partnered with Amazon it was really basically they were like yeah just do that but do it for our show you know <laughs> that's basically you know they were not they were great they were so nice but like that's basically they don't nobody knows what they're doing anywhere. So they basically said, you know, we want you to just take what you're doing and just use the content from this, you know, famous popular podcast that will now be a TV show. And so we felt like that was a good match for us because, uh, and we had already started working on Creep that year and the themes that we had already written and had developed fit that already. So we thought, oh my gosh, this, well, this is a great fit. We'll just sort of pivot and then, you know, sort of fine-tune it and make it work. And um, that's what we ended up doing for Lore. And what's really kind of fun about that is all of, all of us in this room are kind of making that movement happen. Um, I think when we go into a big studio like Amazon... You know, a couple of years ago, we would have been shaking our knees. Well, we were a little shaking our knees anyway when we went in. I mean, we're in I a big fine. studio. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Daniel was fine. He was good. Um, but, you know, when they, they pitch us, like, why don't you do our premiere party? You know what I mean? And, and we kind of dug our feet in the sand and said, why don't we create your world, like Daniel mentioned, over this and kind of get your guests to experience something else. Like Justin mentioned, let normal people come through, not just your celebrities that get to go to premiere one night. And let's like make this a real interactive thing. And because of our guests and because of uh, like this, studios started listening. And I, I think that's super important to say just because everyone in this room is changing how the industry does it. And they're paying attention to what we're all doing in this room. So I think it's super important. And just to add on to that, like all of you guys, like the haunt community, everyone is always down to play. Like, everybody's, like, so active, and, like, so for me, experiencing an audience like you guys, it's, it was so exciting and so groundbreaking for me as a, a performer, so now, now that we kind of got this down, I'd like to reach people like me, who, you know, isn't a fan necessarily of horror or scary things, but give them an opportunity to enjoy it and play, because you guys kind of paved the way for it to be fun and cool, so um, I'd love to like reach more people, non-horror people like me, <laughs> and realize that I actually do love horror. You know, it's not just like chainsaws and blood all the time, which I know yeah, you guys people, like. But like, always think that's what it is. But which it's is great, not but. right. It's it's there's there's so much darkness in all of us, but it's actually like very beautiful. So um, I really enjoyed exploring that part of the haunt stuff. Commenting on that, I, I am a theater nerd, totally, um, and I attend a lot of 
regular theater as well as immersive stuff. And I have found over the past couple of years, when I try to have the conversation that you're talking about, Stephanie, with normal theater people, I get so much pushback of, what do you mean they talk to me? No, 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 no. It's like, what do you mean they can touch me? I'm like, no, it's like this. It's like, it's like to guide you, to give you a gift. That's why they're touching your elbow. Like, no, 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 no. And I think it's an acknowledgement to the haunt community that I think it is the haunt community that embraced the immersive stuff, not first necessarily, because immersive theater people, immersive theater has been actually going on for decades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I jokingly tell people this. My first immersive theater experience I ever went to was in 1984. So it, it's like people have been doing this for a long time, but now it's a trend, now it's a movement. But I think something that's really strong about your work is the fact that I can point regular theater people to you guys and you open the door rather than freak them out, even if it's a scary event, even if it's a, and I think the pop-up activations um, like Lore and you recently did Ma and, and yeah, it's like we should definitely, we have, um, uh, is it, uh, it's not tied together, is it two separate trailers? You want to just play them both? Okay, uh, could you play the lore and the Ma trailer, please? Did anyone see Ma? Anyone see that movie? Oh, cool. Uh, and this will make sense. advertisement.
don't make me drink alone. Don't make me drink alone. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go home, but you can't stay here. Party's over. Thank you. Thank you. Party's over, ladies and gentlemen. Party's over. Get home safe now. Don't even call your parents. Thank you. One thing that off of sort of the exact opposite of what you were saying, Russell, of like the theater people who don't come to immersive theater stuff like this, is I kind of love the fact that we're tricking regular people into going to theater. We're like, haha, you went to theater. You didn't even know it. I, I, have, I have tried to trick many of my friends and, and convert them. So, uh, so talk about uh, that marriage of brand name with what you do for the immersive world. Like, and also, uh, out of curiosity, how long did it take to develop that? How much warning did you get from, like, the, the oh, let's do this to the night that people walked into the party? Yeah, I would say that's the, probably the, the toughest issue we always go against because everything is so last minute. And, you know, for, like, a six- to four-week lead... And so, you know, when you're working also, so you're trying to get these things in the shoot, but we try to push everything to like a 12-week production timeline. Um, so at least it gives us a little time because stuff gets crazy, right? And people are just like making changes last minute on scripts that were approved weeks before. Um, so yeah, everything is really pretty tight um, because it comes from a marketing side. Normally, everything's just getting pulled from like a premiere budget. So until they, you know, the film's in the can and they actually know like... Like, with American Horror Story, I don't even think they knew what the show was about no. when we got the job and we had to, like, write a script about it. You and know, then it changed once it was done because they knew actually what the season was going to be about. So we had to switch everything very last minute, you know, in order to accurately promote the show. Yeah, it was, um, it is a challenge, sort of, <laughs> because we don't have a lot of time. We always want to have so much time, but a lot of these sort of activations and pop-up events happen fast. They really are very fast, and we just roll with it and take the notes and try and make everything authentic and fun. And as JT always says, we try and just over-deliver you know, what they ask for. I feel like these always work because the people that make them are into it. Um, how soon... Are- I wouldn't say how soon, but what do you see the future of these activations like? You mentioned script changes and things like that. Having a creative company wanting to produce something they want to do, how much interference does the studio have? How how much creative control do they actually put on you? I think it depends on the studio. Um, With Amazon, we had very little um, adjustments that were made, and they were relatively, they were great to work with. They are relatively hands-off. And I think I, we submitted a script, and the note was, change the font title. <laughs> and I was like, that was the font you guys gave me. <laughs> you know? Um, and there's, it's a little bit of an exaggeration. There was a couple things. But um, it, was really, it was relatively little. And then for, with, we just got done with American Horror Story, and that was very, very, there was a lot of notes on that, which we knew going in. We knew that was how it was going to be. So there was a lot of... Um, it's a, it's a really tight IP. So. Yeah, yeah, to- totally. And we we went into it with, um, you know, just happy to be working with them. And and we also felt like American Horror Story was such a good fit for us. You know, and it'd be th- this year's 80s 
horror slasher camp theme, and we just are all about that and absolutely love that. But, you know, they have, it needs to fit what that brand is exactly. And when they are already, you know, sort of in production on the TV show, we just have to, you know, roll with it and, and accept those changes and make it work. And it ended up being, I think, such a total blast and such a huge success for us. And so it de- sometimes it depends on the product. You know, or it depends on what it, the show or story it is that they're that they're trying to promote. It's really cool too. Activations are one thing. You think like over the course of like working with your friends and like hiring over ninety actors over five years, you start to build like you know we're like really our family. Like like all of us have a really tight crowd and. It's allowed us to, like, now we're, like, kind of like a staffing agency, you know, so, like, people come to us, and they're like, cool, we need, like, brand ambassadors, or, like, tonight we're producing this, like, really fun, beautiful, um, this woman wanted to recreate uh, a midnight in Paris, so we're, like, bringing in 15 iconic characters throughout history who are going to come and dine with, like, 100 people, and that's, like, another new wave of entertainment. They're like, we don't want a DJ, we don't want magicians, like, what else could we do? She'd come to the Willows. Yeah, so I think it's really cool that people are seeing um, a, a new way to entertain their guests while at a bigger event. So which I think there's other companies in town that are, are kind of tapping into that as well. Um, yeah. Like the, the niche party scene, yeah. like the themed party theme is also becoming, you know, an activation tool that the companies are more willing to go to. Um, and also I think you can cover probably more people in that than, than say like a group going through creep. No. Um, so what's next? House of creep. <laughs> <laughs> Nice segue. <laughs> Ooh. Just, um, yeah, we're um, we're back. Uh, we're back in downtown LA. Um, we are back for season five. So um, weren't, weren't, we went from like sixty thousand square feet. Like honestly, awake was massive and huge. Uh, down to five thousand square feet. So we are making it work for you. Um, yeah, so, you know, we are up, we're up against uh, some odds. And, but we are forever grateful that we have a location because uh, I've been on these panels for the last five years and it's the same issue. LA, we have an issue that is killing creatives and what opportunities that we can perform when we're getting outpriced. And like at the end of the day, we won't be able to do this work because nothing's permitted. They're not willing to work with you. And so... We, have, we are fortunate enough to maintain a relationship with the row, and they graciously had, like, one empty retail space that we are able to, like, go in at, like, a reduced rate. Um, and so, that, so we're, we're making it work because we, we needed a show, of course. We needed to come back. Um, so, yeah, we're doing this awesome show called House of Creep, um, and we're selling it as a, a multi-sensory exhibit. It's, like, 75 minutes, explicit content, 21 and up. There will be a lounge incorporated it this year. Um, and it will be a really wild, sexy, weird, <laughs> sexy time. And if you pay attention to their website, I believe there is a date on the website for tickets. Yeah. Uh, August 15th, they go on sale. August 15th, which is soon, it? people. Do we, do, we, do we need to give a discount? Oh, yeah, do it. Y'all want a discount code? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's CREEPFAN, all caps, no spaces, <laughs> Creep fan. Tickets on the 15th, show opens on Friday. Friday the 13th, September 13th. We run through November, beginning of November. 
So looking forward to it. So um, we are coming to the, not, not the very end of our hour, but uh, are you guys ready to face these people? Yeah. Uh, anyone these have questions? People? Yeah, these people. <laughs> these are our friends, our lovely people. So uh, <laughs> um, it's a Q&A section. Bye. Just kidding. He's just grabbing some. So he, he's leaving. He can't take it anymore. So um, does anyone have questions for the creep team? I was actually just curious about the space that you were saying last year you had 60,000 square miles on the Earth. I wish we had that. Are you kidding? We could build a world. Okay, what else would experience? So, do you remember how uh, the space you used for lore, how big was that? That was like, seven. 7,000. This one's just this is more like 5,800, so it's just like a little bit smaller, but the, the illusion will be different because in lore, if you remember, the ceiling was kind of right here in this particular space. We have about 35-foot, 40-foot ceilings, so it, the, it'll, it'll feel much bigger than the actual square footage, so uh, walking through it, it actually doesn't feel small yeah, to me Yeah, we, we just, the set's already been built, and it, the space already feels so much bigger than it looked without it, and what's exciting is, at least from our creative team, location and space inspires us. So just based on the location alone, we're like, this, this story's going to work here. Like, this feels like this would be here. You know, so it kind of like speaks to us no matter what size. And a little fun fact about uh, lore, we'd gone looking for spaces forever. We got a space. We started uh, getting into the space. And then the city actually pulled the permit three weeks before uh, we were supposed to open. Uh, so we got put in that space with three weeks to spare and... <laughs> And we did not, this is insider info, we did, we did not tell Amazon that. And so we gave, we gave the tour to Amazon of kind of like, JT picture and I this. Gave, JT and, and I gave this, this tour. And then right they're, over they're here, they're like, where's this gonna happening? And I was like, it's right here. And, um, and they're like, where are the woods? And I look at JT and I'm like, the woods they're are right, right there. there. <laughs> And the guests will leave through that door. I was like, and right now you're listening to the voice of this. And they're like, okay, we love it. We're like, good. We're like, perfect. That's great. That's how we plan. I literally threw up that day, you guys. I threw up in the bathroom before that meeting because I was like, uh-huh, here we go. Everything's going to be fine. We did it. But, but then everything that, everything that we said was going to be where it was, it was there. It was there. We did it. Well, I, the other thing too is like even for awake, like that one, you know, the when we were, I think when we even had our projection vendor and we were talking with them and meeting with them with the space, it was a completely different space than we ended up doing for awake too. So, it's just kind of a reality that we agile. have to play with most of the time. Uh, I really want to hear from the May Queen. <laughs> congratulations. Yes, congratulations. underlying theme for House of Creep? Um, well, I'll let them take it, but I know that like the key factors are things. I, I always want to picture like an adult playground where you want to look at things, but you're probably not supposed to. So think provocative and a little wild and yeah. a little sexy, but why don't you take that? I'll just say this. If you go to creepla.com, um, there's a little synopsis and a little, like, a little tease. I don't want to, I'm going to butcher it if I try to do it now. Uh, but basically we're trying to, um, we're, you know, we're trying to find ourselves amongst the players like Museum of Ice Cream and Happy Place and Candytopia and uh, I like scary movies. What and would a creep I, version of that be? Yeah, so we're like trying to say, cool, these rooms are grand and Instagrammable, but like what if we forced you to put your phones away and really step outside yeah, is that, that square Is that box? all what we really want? Yeah. I don't know. 
No, like re, we. Well, you should like, come see how our version of that. What that yeah. might be. Yeah, like. it's probably gonna be a little more weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope things don't go terribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And by the way, uh, almost every one of those events that you named had major permit problems. Uh-huh. So just For one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there was another question. Yeah, you had your hand up first, I think, and we skipped over you. Hi. I was wondering if you had any advice on how creatives can um, get the jobs that you guys have or, like, be on a team. That's a great question, and no. I'll, I'll even let, you know, some of them talk about it, but one thing that I always think in building a company... She's asking about how oh, do sorry. you become part of a creative team like this, so... Because um, I, I get qu- asked questions all the time of how did this happen and how did it become or whatever. I'm a huge, huge, huge proponent on the most important thing is your people. They get sick of me saying ecosystem all the time. We all know what an ecosystem is, but really it's basically one thing can't survive without the other. Um, and you all have to be there for the same reasons. We have an amazing dancer and choreographer. We have an amazing artistic director. We have an incredible writer. We have incredible producers and directors and creators. But then also that goes for our crew and our team, which three of them are sitting right there. That's Ryan, Stephanie, and Bert right there. Um, they're incredible helps to us. Um, and if you've seen any of our posters and stuff like that, Stephanie is the artist. She's incredible. Um, but it's really important to us to have that the right people in place. And the magic of that is a lot of our team actually reached out to us and said, we want to get involved. This is what I can do. How can I help? And we are like big mamas that are just like, come on, I'll be, come kids, and let's all like play and get weird together. And the opposite of that is true. There's been some really talented people that didn't really fit our ecosystem and maybe, um, you know, mad respect, but no longer, you know, in our journey. So we just keep that team super, super. So the final would be reach out to people that you really respect or shows that you like or just look for any of them and just say, this is what I do and this is what I want to be a part of and just really explore because the, the worst that can ha- happen is you move on to the next one, right? The best yeah, that can happen, you're info. in it. Yeah, come to ours. <laughs> yeah. Come to ours. Anytime. Info at JFI Productions. Um, and, and off of that, by the way, just like Justin was saying, that literally is how I got my start with Creep. I was like a theme park industry dork in Orlando and I came out here and just, I think I actually introduced myself to Justin when he was in character during entry. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I think a really important thing for us that is kind of the reality of these shows, because we're so scrappy in everything we do, is that you really just have to be kind of down um, and be part of the, the team from the beginning. Like, for me, like, I, even though I'm certainly the furthest thing from a performer imaginable, like, when we did The Willows, I ended up sort of being the door person, getting people into the van at the beginning for the very first season of it as a non-complete non-actor. But just us, you know, we just jump in, build things, you know, like like Stephanie was saying, build things, stage manage. I jumped in and was stage manager for, for Lore sort of unexpectedly. So um, just getting in, in any little piece like that really does, We it's proven like the folks over there that continues to expand from year to year. Yeah, you really just have to be down to like do whatever. You, <laughs> I mean, and you won't find people who will be down to do whatever and you kind of have to check your ego at the door and like for me, I, I costume all the shows too. So like it's, it's everything that you see, even in the willows, like who's making the food? We're making the food. Who's, who's, cl- who's cleaning? We're cleaning who, the house. Who We're painted cleaning. the walls? Yeah. <laughs> we painted all the walls. Yeah, so it's like you have to be down and I'm a choreographer, but 
I'm, I'm doing everything, and that's what you have to be down for. Y'all, they put me in a dress and a hat, and I had to be Sierra Mist. Oh, so, I, I mean, you can that. do... I actually loved it. I'm not going to lie. I did love it. But you do. You have to be down for anything, for sure. That, that's your standard Saturday night. Isn't it? <laughs> that's Sunday. <laughs> Sunday afternoon, Sierra Mist. All right, all right. Go ahead. Go ahead. We had a we had a little power struggle because we built a brand before we built a company, so Creep was like our comp right, but then we were like, but then we didn't have a company because we only had Creep. So then we were like, so I opened up an LLC like at the start of this to be like we need to have, to have you know be proper or whatever. So Creep is sold as like um, kind of redefining the haunted house. The Willows is, I think, a, you can need to look at it as a show under Just Fix It Productions now. So Creep happens to be its own thing, but it's also different every year. It has its own show title. Yeah, Creep is different every year, but it's still called Creep every year. So, but a different storyline every season, bigger, different, completely different world. The Willows is, I would say, like our second sort of bigger show under our Just Fix It brand, and that is The Willows, and that was an idea of like a takeoff a murder mystery dinner party. So yeah, Creep, Haunted House, Willows, Murder Mystery, all under JFI. I think the, the, this whole immersive theater, I think the things that have been really working have all been dance-focused and centric, like all movement-based, no text, right? Because naturally then people can like kind of understand through movement what's going on, but also like move. And I think with us trying to do the Willows, like it was all a tracked model. And like I, we had never done anything like that. Like we hadn't seen, I had ne- never yeah, seen anything seen like anything. that either. But we were like, how do you give people down certain lanes, but Based upon if you were to come in and shake my hand as Lindsay and choose to go upstairs with me, then you basically got a golden ticket and you had no idea that you were being thrown on a completely different track than you maybe would have not been assigned to prior. Well, it, it, it's funny, too, because, like, I think for audiences of this stuff, you know, if you go to, everybody knows how to go sit in a movie theater and watch a movie, but immersive theater is still, every show you go into, the rules of the game are, like, a little bit different, and you're still trying to learn and process, and you're like, can I apply the rules of this other show I did two years ago to what I'm doing now? So, I mean, I think we spend a lot of time thinking about both the conscious and unconscious cues of how to let somebody know how to engage and how far they can go. So it, it sometimes it's literally spelled out. Sometimes, like Justin said, it's just how somebody greets you, shakes your hand, the way that they look at you. You kind of start to percolate that into the experience as early as possible. So that hopefully for a guest, I don't spend the entire experience being confused about how much I'm supposed to engage. And part of the umbrella of this entire concept of Creep and the Willows and JFI is we live in such a swipe left, swipe right society now that we want the focus of every story, every season to be human connection and to where you don't you forget that your phone's in your pocket and you're having that. And human connection doesn't happen by me just talking to you. It talks 
about both of us talking together and having that experience together. And so it's really important, and they do such a great job with our actors to listen just as much as they talk. And, and that interaction and that connection is what raises people's you know, hair on their arms and stuff like that. And it's just like the focal point, I think, every show that we do is to ensure that the guest is playing their part because that's how you're going to get that human connection and that interaction. People hear that question? Yeah. All right. Well, I think in immersive theater, just in general, like you have to be like really off, like just off the cuff. Like for instance, like for lore, um, the doll. I was the dancing doll in the in the feather room. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, um, you know that wasn't really a part of lore. You know, like it wasn't like it was. You know, kind of, but. We just kind of made it work, and especially in there, like we're just like, okay, let's throw some feathers, hang some dolls, step, just go. And as I did that role, like I started to actually feel like, oh, this does fit in here. Oh, if I move here, if I move here, like, you know, that's that's just kind of what happens as an improv performer. And and as you go, the story becomes more and more solid. And then you can just go off into these little branches of things that you didn't even know existed when you started with that character. I think another good accident, if we remember the first season, which was we're so blessed and grateful to have had this problem, but we didn't expect a line at all. And so uh, the next year we thought, all right, we've got to figure out a way to keep people from standing in line and make it not feel like that. So we decided on a lounge experience to where guests would be kind of there and they wouldn't be really realizing that while they're in that room, they're in line. They just don't realize it. But I don't think we anticipated that people loved the lounge. <laughs> so we had our, our amazing dancer and Steph. We had people. And we kept adding kind of more characters into that room. And after the show, everybody, all, all the wanted actors to, wanted to be in the lounge. Yeah. They're and like, after the show, go there for a little while. People went after the show. They'd be like, oh, can we go back into the lounge? And we're like, oh, my gosh, this is that was kind of a beautiful accident because <laughs> um, it was kind of like a holding place at the beginning. But it turned into kind of an amazing little dark. Now we actually kind of want to open a lounge like that because it was fun. <laughs> I was just going to say, because I know we have one minute left, and I want to give away some T-shirts. Um, did everyone get a raffle ticket? If you didn't get a raffle ticket from Bert, grab a quick raffle ticket so he can be auctioneers. Um, but speaking about the whole lounge environment, I will say this. Um, this, uh, this year is going to be really, really different for us. Very different. Um, it's, we're going whole open world. Um, so this won't be tracked. This won't be guided. This will be all you, where you want to go in this space, the characters you want to spend your time with, what scenes you want to embark on. It's going to be your adult playground. And so we are very excited to try to maybe retailer our structure and our pulsed nature of the beast and could provide a, a bigger evening for everyone. All right. Anyone else need a raffle ticket? Let's, we have to be very, very fast about this. So can we go, can we go over a couple minutes? Is that possible? Sweet. All right. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, hurry up and get raffle tickets, and then we will do this as quickly as possible. Um, thank everyone for coming to this panel. Thank you guys so much. Yes, thank you. You guys can... Um, also, yeah, we have a... I don't know if this is what you're going to say. Oh, yeah. 
We also have a booth in there. Um, this is the first year we've ever uh, come up with some fun merch and sweatshirts yeah. and hats and t-shirts and crops and pop socks, all kinds of stuff. Sleep masks. There are midsummer scream specials. Children's so. books. Not kidding about that. Yeah, we do. <laughs> two types of t-shirts. Two types of hats. Postcards. What do you? What else do you want? A bathing suit. We don't have that. We don't have that yet. It's coming. Twelve thirty-two. Is that our booth? Yeah, we're twelve thirty-two. Twelve thirty-two. So. All right, let's pick some. Oh, we still have some more. I'm sorry. So oh, that's worse. Don't we grab the other half of that? So we have to. <laughs> Bert has to give us the other tickets Just and then make we have to pull seven <laughs> numbers. <laughs> so. We good? Everyone got it? Oh, here we go. Bert, this is the T-shirt immersive experience. Yes. So. <laughs> Did all of you sign a waiver? <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, I wish I had one of those cannon guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We might shoot it past everyone if we had one of those. Next time. Uh, Do you want to say something, Mike? What? I thought you were about to say something, Mike. I, I was going to say he has two guns already. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Mike's got a joke. <laughs> guns are guns. So. All right, yeah. here we go. All right. Steph, do you want to pick the Stephanie, winner? Stephanie, why don't you do the... But do it like a dancer. <laughs> oh. Oh, wow. Do it like a dancer who's running out of time. <laughs> it's your stress, you're scared, but you're kind of turned on. Okay, here's the first one. We're going to do three. We're going to do three of these. Okay. Does anybody have ticket 380134? Yeah. Oh, All right. Come on down. Oh, I'm going to read this one. All right. Does anybody have 380101? Yeah. That's a lucky row right now. Yes. Camp Crystal Lake over here. Yes, work. Ooh. All right. 380099. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for your time. I appreciate uh, Come say you hey. guys as well. Thank you very much. Go out and support theater of any kind. Any kind. And that is that. Uh, Once again, Mike and I would like to thank... Midsummer Scream for asking us down to moderate this panel. We had a great deal of fun. Uh, JFI Productions, it's a company that we really enjoy their work. Uh, and just to let you know, if you've never attended Midsummer Scream, it's a really fun experience. They've already announced their dates for next year, August 1st and 2nd, 2020. Uh, their website is midsummerscream.org. And sincerely thank you to Just Fixed Productions, the team there. Uh, thank you guys for everything that you do. Uh, we were so happy to moderate this panel with you, JT, Justin, Daniel, David, Stephanie. Uh, thank you so, so much. Uh, and if you want more information on JFI, please check out their website at jfiproductions.com. Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at JFI Productions. If you would like more information specifically on House of Creep, the show that's coming this fall, look up creepla.com. You'll find a direct ticket link there, and you'll find out some information about the show, including a nifty description you should check out. 
And that basically wraps this up. So until next time, see ya. Get out. Mm. We're done for now.